Debbie, thanks so much for opening opening us up with the scripture and prayer. Really appreciate that. Um, and again, good morning to everyone. My name is Alan. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Hill Church and pray one day that I get to meet uh, some of you that I haven't been able to meet over these last several months that we have been online. But excited to jump into God's word with you. Uh, Debbie just read for us from Ephesians chapter 4, so that might be a good spot to, to grab your Bible, open it up to there, and we're going to be studying uh, that text together this morning. Now, as many of you know, uh, probably about me, I grew up playing football. I talk about it a lot. It was a big part of my life. And, you know, I was one of the captains of my high school football team. And I played two different positions when I was in high school. I played tight end and I played guard on the line. And what that means is that my main job, all right, in both positions was to block people right? In every play that I played, I got hit by someone and I was hitting someone else. I didn't catch a lot of passes. I didn't score a lot of touchdowns. My job was to be the guy to sacrifice my body so the quarterback, my running back, a receiver could take the ball into the end zone without being hit. That was my job. See, we were a squad, and as a squad, each of us on this squad, we had different positions, we had different gifts and abilities, responsibilities that we had to accomplish so that we could all get to the, the same goal that we had, right? That's to, that's to win games. And all of those gifts and all of those responsibilities, although they were different, needed to work together in unison in order for us to succeed. Right. So much of football is about timing. Right. Trusting your squad to do their job. Right. In every single play that I played in, I had a key block that I had to make in order for the play to work out. If I didn't do my job, the play would not work as designed. And actually, even worse, one of my guys was going to get hit pretty hard because I didn't prevent that from happening yet. Here's how team works, right? We know this. My guys, they can't worry about if I'm going to make that block or not, right? Because they got their job to do. They got to worry about what they need to do to make the play work. So what they need to do is fully trust and listen, assume that I'm going to do my job so that our squad operates where every single person is fully trusting the other person to do their job and everyone is fully focused on the job that they have to do, right? There's no I in team. We know that. We know team dynamics. We know that a squad will not be successful if it is comprised of people who want to do everything on their own or if it's comprised of people who don't think they need anyone else to succeed. We know squads will break down if they're filled with people who don't want to do their job and refuse to show up, right? We know it takes humility and a shared vision for a squad to win. And this morning, I have something I need to tell you and me 
about our faith. I have something that I need us to know and be convinced of when it comes to following Jesus. You ready? You ready? You can't do it. You can't follow Jesus without a squad. Right? Following Jesus is not a you thing. It's not a me thing. It's a squad thing. And just like any team out there, if we begin to believe that we don't need our squad to be able to follow Jesus, it's not going to go well. And the reality is this, the, the, the cultural waters that we are swimming in today in our context are putting constant pressure on us to make following Jesus just an individual thing. Right. That, that as a Christian all by yourself, the expectation is that you just you all by yourself should have complete knowledge of the Bible. Right. That all by yourself, you should be able to fight all of your sinful temptations, that you should have strength, the, the strength in order to do that with nobody else helping you out. Right? The expectation we place on ourselves is that all by ourselves, we should never struggle with doubt. Right? All by ourselves, we should have the courage to share the gospel with our neighbors with no help. Right? All by ourselves, we should be able to handle our shame, handle grief, handle suffering and anxiety and stress and mental illness and all those things all by ourselves, that we need to be strong and not show weakness, right? Don't ask for help. That's what the culture is doing to our faith. It's making us believe that. It's so easy to think that our faith is an individual thing and not a squad thing. It's easy for us to think that all church is, right, is a means for me to continue to grow in my individual knowledge and my individual strength, right? It's almost like it's a source of teaching. It's a source of resources for me to grow in my faith. Except when the Bible talks about church and when the Bible talks about faith, it always, always, always talks about it as a squad, as a people, a body, not just you, not just me. Right? We forget that as a squad, God has given each of us a job, a gift, a job that the rest of your squad is relying on you to do. And you need your squad to do their job too. So last week, we began a sermon series called Show Up. And this is a series that is designed to prepare us as a congregation to regather together in person as a church. It's been a long time since we've been together. And as you have probably heard by now, our plan as of right now, Lord willing, is that we would regather together in person starting March 21st. That will most likely be outside, but that is the date that we've put on the calendar where we want to start getting together in person every single week, right? A after almost a year of this pandemic, I believe that we all need to be reminded 
about how church, right, is not an individual thing, but church is actually a squad thing and that you cannot follow Jesus without your squad. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to study Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16, and Romans chapter 12, verses 4 to 8, to learn about what it means to be a part of this squad and what it looks like when our squad is firing on all cylinders. All right? So if you have your Bible, open that up to Ephesians chapter 4. All right? Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read. Debbie read it for us already. Um, but I encourage you to get your Bible out. Um, I think paper Bibles are the best because you don't get distracted by anything else. But if you have um, just the Bible on your phone, that's fine as well. We'll also put the verses on the screen. But what I like about people having God's word with them instead of just relying on the screen is that you're able, as I am talking, to constantly look up and down, hear what I'm saying, test it against the scripture to make sure that what I'm saying is right here in the word of God. So if you have your Bible, Ephesians chapter 4, um, we'll do 11 to 16 together. Now, if you remember last week, uh, we studied Ephesians 3 verse 10, and we learned that God will primarily display the mind-blowing beauty of his wisdom through the church. And if you're like, what do you mean by that, Alan? I really encourage you to go to our website, our podcast, YouTube channel, all of the places, and go listen to the sermon from last week. But what this means is that God is building this thing that we call the church. And it's a pretty big deal in the life of a follower of Jesus, right? The church is. And so his mind-blowing Beauty and wisdom will be displayed in this thing that he's building called the church. All right. So here in Ephesians, Paul is talking a lot about the church and how it was designed to operate and what it's supposed to look like. So starting here in Ephesians 4 verse 11, we're going to get some instructions from Paul on the nuts and bolts of how the church is supposed to operate. All right. So I want to read verses 11 and 12 for us. And we're going to dig into those just a little bit more. Ephesians 4 verses 11 and 12 says this. It says, and he, this is Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, first thing I want you to see here is that what Paul is describing here is a squad, right? We have leaders, we have the saints, everyone is charged with doing the work of ministry. Notice here, work of ministry is not just for the leaders, all right, that's everybody, and we all have the same goal, right? To build up the body of Christ, to build up the squad. You cannot read Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 and see the church as an individual thing. That would be a foreign concept in the Bible, okay? But let's dig into these verses. So, verse 11, we see here that Jesus gives his church leaders to lead the squad, 
And, and he specifically lists out here four different roles, or you could say four different offices that he gives the church. You've got the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherd teachers. Now, in your text, it might appear as if shepherd and teacher are two separate things, that he is actually listing five different offices. But I think the Greek construction there suggests that the shepherd teacher are the same office, the same role, so that we have four different roles here when it comes to leaders. Now, here's what you need to know about these four different leadership roles in the church. All of these leadership roles are centered around the distribution and making the word of God available to God's people. All of them have a role when it comes to that, making God's word available to God's people, distributing the word of God to God's people, right? So Paul was writing this letter right here to the Ephesians church, probably in the late 60s AD, right? So this was before the New Testament was compiled, obviously, because Paul was actually writing part of the New Testament during this time. And so because God's written word, especially in the form of the New Testament, was not yet complete, God appointed certain leaders in the church who had specific gifts that enabled them to teach God's word even though they did not have a completed copy of the scriptures with them, right? So God appointed apostles. This is the first office that we get here. Um, apostles are defined in scripture as individuals who had personally witnessed the risen Jesus uh, in the flesh. So therefore, they were personally given, these apostles, the mission to testify to what they saw. And so the Holy Spirit inspired some of them to write down what they saw, to write down special revelation from God. And that turned into the New Testament, right? So apostles help distribute the word of God by being the ones to write it. Okay, so you got apostles and then you have prophets. Now, prophets had a number of different roles throughout scripture as we go through the Bible, but in the early church, so after the resurrection and ascension of Christ, um, the prophets were people who had an inspired ability to preach God's word accurately, even though they did not have the New Testament written down. Okay, so they were preachers, they weren't writing God's word, but God inspired them to be able to preach it, even though they didn't have the scriptures. All right. Then you have the evangelist. These were people who were able to take God's word and then push them out to places where God's word was not available. So out to different nations and people's groups who needed to hear the gospel. And then finally, you have the shepherd teacher. That's the fourth one. And this is essentially the pastors and elders of local churches who would take the word of God as proclaimed by the apostles and the prophets and then teach it to their congregation, right? So they were almost like a, a secondary resource, right? They heard it from the apostles and prophets and then taught it to their congregations. Now, that's a lot, but what is different about our context today and the context of the Ephesian church back in AD 60? right? What's the difference? The big difference? It's right here, right? We have 
the completed word of God. We have the New Testament written down. It's closed, right? Nothing is going to be removed from this. Nothing is going to be added to this. And so because we have this, we do not need today for apostles and prophets in the church to receive new revelation from God and communicate it to the church as the word of God, right? God has already delivered his word to us. So we don't have the need for apostles and prophets, those offices in the church today. Now, big caveat here. What I am talking about is the role, the office of apostle and prophet. I believe that people today can have apostolic and prophetic gifts that they use to serve the church. But I see those as different things. And, and I don't got time right now to get into that because I got stuff I got to preach on today. But that's for another day. And I'd love to talk to you about that if that's something that you're interested in. All right. But because we have the complete scriptures today, the church no longer has apostles and prophets. Right. You can think that we have evangelists today. So those are our missionaries, church planners that we send to places that don't have um, the word of God preach or an adequate gospel witness. And then we obviously have shepherd teachers, right? Those are the pastors of local churches who are faithfully teaching God's word, right? Nothing else, right? That's, that's the role of your pastors is that we preach this. We don't preach more than this. We don't preach less than this because that's our role, the distribution of God's word. And we don't get to decide what is God's word and what God's word is not, right? That's what shepherd teachers do, right? So for our purposes today, we can look at verse 11 here and we can say that God has given Grace Hill Church pastors, elders, teachers, all right, in order to, verse 12, equip the saints for the work of ministry and build up the body of Christ, to equip them and to build them up, right? So brothers and sisters, what Ephesians 4 is telling us this morning is that if you are a follower of Jesus, you have to join a squad. You can't follow Jesus and not be a part of a church. You can't follow Jesus by yourself. That, that's, that's a foreign concept to God's word. And that also means that you have a vital role to play on this squad. That, that means that other people on this squad need you. Being a part of a church is not about finding a place with great worship and preaching, although that's helpful. I'll confess that. Being a part of a church is not about the programs that are offered to your family. Again, that can be really helpful. But being a part of a church, it, it's not its not a one foot in, one foot out, show up every once in a while type of thing, right? That would be like me as a lineman on my football team thinking, well, I'll decide to show up for some of the games, right? Which means some of the games, the offensive line right there is going to have a big gaping hole in the middle of it, right? Or, or if I said, well, I'll, I'll block the guy in front of me owing some of the plays, right? How is my quarterback going to feel about that? He's not going to appreciate that. Okay, and so this is what being a squad is all about. God has given us leaders who distribute the word of God, but all of us are given the work of ministry. That's our role. All right. So in your Bible, do me a favor. Turn left to the book of Romans. Just a few pages. Go to Romans chapter 12. 
And I want to read a few verses from us from Romans 12. I'm going to read specifically verses 4 to 8. All right. And, and Paul's going to continue to teach us on what does it mean that I have a role or responsibility um, to do inside the church as a part of my squad. All right. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 4 to 8 says this. For as in one body, we have many members. Okay. All right. You could say for as one squad, we got a lot of members on this team and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many are one body, one squad in Christ and individually members, one of another. Look at that language there. Paul is saying we belong, yes, to a squad. No, no, we belong to one another. Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Look at this. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. All right. So Ephesians 4 tells us that we all have the responsibility to do the work of ministry. And Romans 12 is telling us that each of us have been given gifts and abilities by God for the purpose of doing this work. And the exhortation is clear in verse 6. Let us use them. There is not one person at Grace Hill Church whom God has not gifted specifically for them to have a role on our squad. There is not one person at Grace Hill Church whom God has not called to roll up their sleeves and help us do the work that God has called us to do. It's all of us. Okay, so some of you have been gifted with compassion. And you have an ability to see people who are hurting and, and to comfort them in their hurt. We need you to use that gift on our squad. Right? Some of you have been gifted with peacemaking. And, and you have the ability to see different perspectives and, and help people articulate what's bothering them. We need you to use that here to maintain our unity. Some of you have been gifted with administration and logistics right? You can organize complex things. I don't have that gift, right? We need you to use that here. Some of you have been gifted with studying the Bible, digging into the nuances, helping other people understand, teaching God's word. We need you to use that. Grab a few people, go start reading the Bible with them. Not everyone is gifted in that way. Some of you have experienced a lot of tough things in life. Maybe a tough marriage. Uh, maybe you've lost a loved one, an illness. Maybe you've uh, had a particular past that God has redeemed you out of. And God has now gifted you to use that experience to help others navigate those times in life. Some of you have been gifted with leadership and vision. And we need you to use that here. Start something in our church, right? Step up to the plate. Let's go. 
Some of you have been gifted with a strong sense of justice and compassion for the marginalized in our society. Let's go. It's time for you to start exercising that gift by leading our church to fight for those who are nearest to the heart of Christ. Some of you have been gifted musically, and you need to start bugging Nick and Evan about serving on the worship team. Send them an email and say, I want, I want, to, I want to jump in. I want to audition. I want to develop and learn. Some of you have been gifted artistically, and you need to email Melody all right, on our staff about being on our creative team. Seriously, email her, M-E-L-O-D-Y at gracehillchurch.com and say, I'd love to be a part of the creative team, right? I could go on and on and on. We're a squad and we need everyone to show up ready to do the work of ministry. And this also includes showing up to do the everyday tasks, the every Sunday tasks that a church like ours requires. Uh, so this is things like serving on the setup and teardown team, where we set up the spaces that we're in so that our church can worship and fellowship without distraction. Or our production team who runs all of these complicated AV systems so that our worship team can use their gifts. Or the hospitality team that makes our spaces comfortable to be in and a safe place for us to bring guests into. And the engagement team, same thing. They seek to make everyone, especially our guests, feel welcome and seen, noticed. Our kids team, who works so hard to make our church fun and engaging for our kids, where they're going to learn the Bible. Our prayer team, who's always ready to give anyone and everyone, time and attention in prayer on Sundays, right? And, and as you have already heard, we're reopening Grace Hill. We're coming back together, Lord willing, for good on March 21st. And we need to rebuild our teams. We need our squad to come back together, roll their sleeves up and commit to serving their brothers and sisters on these teams, and so here's what I want to ask you to do. Would you do me a favor? As a result of what we're studying today in the scripture, would you pray and commit to serving on some of our serving teams? Would you commit to showing up and being a part of what God has called our squad to do? Right? If you'd like to go and see a list of all of our serving opportunities that we have, along with a description of each, just go to our website, gracehillchurch.com slash serve, or click the serve link up top, and you can go read all that. There's also a place right there to sign up. Sign up, and our teams will get a hold of you, and we'll get you going. All right? I want all of us to, to press in. Time to show up. Time to do the work of ministry. Time to re-engage. Man, I can't wait. Right, so if we, if we go back to Ephesians 4 here, there's a few other things I want us to see in our text. If we go to verses 13 to 16, which again, Debbie read for us a little bit earlier. Paul is going to explain what the result will be inside the local church if the church operates like a squad in this way. Right, if the leaders equip people, if the saints show up and use their gifts to do the work of ministry, if we're all seeking to build up the body of Christ, we're all showing up ready to work, ready to do the things that God has called us to do. 
this will be the result. Look at verses 13 to 16. It says this, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood and womanhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, the whole squad, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Look at this. When each part is working properly, when we're all showing up with our gifts, when we're all showing up to serve and love one another and to do the work of ministry, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So when the whole church is united under faithful leadership, who, again, preaches this, and everyone sees their role in the work of ministry and the building up of the body. The whole body's joined together, each part's working properly. Then we grow. We grow in unity. We grow in maturity. We grow in stability. And the implication here is that if we don't see our faith in our church as a squad thing, but we rather see it as an individual thing, the opposite will be the result in our faith and in our lives. The the scripture says we'll be like children, tossed to and fro by the waves, influenced by any teacher that comes along and is witty or charismatic, right? Has crafty, cunning things to say, can put together a great YouTube video. We'll just be easily deceived. We'll be divided. We'll be immature in our faith. We'll get run down by this world. But God wants us to be a squad. That we would bolster one another's faith. That we would be there for one another when life gets hard. That we would caution one another when we're wandering away. That we would stay together even when relationships get difficult. And that we wouldn't run when things get tense. You know, when um, Kim and I were in our young 20s, like just married, first year of marriage, uh, we moved to Dallas, Texas. I was going to school full time. Kim was working. We didn't have any money at all. And we had also agreed at that time to take in a 15-year-old family member who just needed some help. So I'm 23. In school, full-time, I got no money. I'm in my first year of marriage, which I'll confess to you, was not going well. And I'm about to be a parent of a 15-year-old. All right, so this was a moment for me where God taught me that I needed a squad. Right. This was the moment where God taught me that the church is supposed to be that squad. And it's not going to go well if you try to do this on your own. Because I was literally in that place of I am just not sure about what I'm going to do or how this is going to go. I I need some help. This is one of those times where I knew I was over my head. 
So I went to my pastor, who I barely knew because we were brand new to this church. And I asked for help. And you know what my pastor did? He rallied the squad. He called this woman over. Her name was Bex. And he said, man, this, she would be the perfect counselor for this girl who's coming to live with you. All right. And, and so he called her over. We talked about it right there. And boom, she was in, ready to go. He called the youth leaders over, got them up to date of what the situation would be. So they would be ready to minister to this girl, to invite them, to make sure she had some friends to hang out with when she arrived. He offered to meet with me regularly to help me through it. He was willing to, to even meet with me on the spot when things got really hard. He got us involved in a ministry in their church that would become instrumental, not only in the life of this girl, but also for Kim and I in our faith. He came to our house, prayed over our house, right? He rallied the squad. And we would not have been able to do what we did or have the experience that we had if it wasn't for our church, our squad coming around us. And that experience is the very experience that for Kim and I, as we have been foster parents for years now, and we've had several children come through our house, every single time it's hard, every single time it's unique, and there's all kinds of different needs. But every single time when we ask ourselves, can we do this? Do we have the bandwidth? The answer that pops up into our head and the thing that encourages our heart is this. We have a squad and they're going to step up to the plate and every single time, including right now, what my family is experiencing right now, you, our squad has stepped up and we would not be able to do this without you, right? This is the point. This is it right here. We are so much better off together than on our own. And we can't do the mission of the church that God has given us unless we do it together. We need a squad. We can't do it alone. We will grow in our faith. We will grow in our trust in Christ better together than in, on our own. That's, that's verses 15 and 16, right? We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Each part is working properly. You cannot expect to flourish in your relationship with Jesus all by yourself. It's not the way God designed it to work. We have to be convinced that we are better together. Each of us individually must be convinced that we need a squad. You know, when we look at our text today, we clearly see this, right? That to grow, we got to do it on a team, on a squad. But I don't think our biggest hindrance to doing this, I don't think the biggest obstacle to our church being this way is our collective unwillingness to give, contribute, offer our gifts. I actually believe that the biggest obstacle in our way to being a church like this is our reluctance to receive the ministry of our squad in our own lives. 
right? I personally need to be convinced that I need you to grow in maturity. doesn't matter if I'm the pastor of the church. All right. Just because I have the, the title pastor doesn't mean that I'm exempt from this and that I can grow in my faith apart from you. I need to be convinced that I need you so that I can grow in maturity. And you need to be convinced that you need all of us so that you can grow in maturity. And this is hard for us because, again, we've bought into this idea that the expectation is that we can live out this Christian life all on our own without help. It's what our culture tells us is most valuable to be strong all by yourself. That the mark of maturity is the lack of need of help. And listen, that's a lie. Like, like think about that. Culture tells us the mark of maturity is the lack of need of help. And that is a lie. God never designed you to work that way. So where are you struggling? Are you struggling with doubt and wondering if this is all true? This, this right here. Are Are you struggling with studying this and, and being bored by it. You, you get up in the morning and you read it and you're like, this does nothing for me. Are you struggling with praying and believing that God listens to you and hears your prayers and cares? Are you struggling with being faithful in the workplace? Are you struggling with anxiety? Are you struggling with having patience with your kids? Are you struggling with being a godly husband or wife? Are you struggling with the temptation to look at stuff online that you shouldn't be looking at? Are you struggling with a a silent secret addiction that no one knows about? What are you struggling with? It doesn't matter. Fill in the blank. What is stopping you from receiving the ministry and the building up of your faith that can come from your brothers and sisters in Christ? What is stopping you from asking for help, revealing where you are struggling? Right? If we examine our hearts, and if we're honest with ourselves, it's probably pride and fear and combinations of those. At least it is for me, right? Pride because I don't want to admit weakness and let other people see that I don't have it all together on my own. I especially struggle with that because I'm the pastor of the church, right? So uh, more than anyone, right? I've got to have it all together to lie or or fear that that if I were to seek help, I, I would be met with judgment or condemnation. But think about this for a second. This is the church we're talking about. But what is the one thing that we all have in common? Everybody in the church, across all cultures, across all time, what is the one thing we all have in common? Every one of us without Christ would stand before God deserving of his judgment and his wrath for our sin. Yet that will not be our reality because we were met with God's grace. Jesus went to the cross on our behalf, bled on the cross, purchasing forgiveness and redemption from our sins. And we are all called by God 
into this life of receiving his mercy. And that is something that we just sometimes cannot wrap our heads around, that God would just offer us mercy and forgiveness simply because he's good. We're all called to receive that. And so here's the deal. We're all the same. We're the same, right? Same in our guilt and same in the grace that we've received. Think about this. I know this is not always the reality, but this has got to be the goal. The church should be the last place on earth where anyone would respond to a plea for help with judgment or condemnation or shame. Because you cannot be a citizen of God's kingdom. You cannot receive the forgiveness that Christ offers if you don't ask him for help. If you don't ask him for his mercy and his grace. We all have to be convinced that we need one another. And in the church, that should be the easiest place on earth to do it. Because we are all recipients of the mercy and the grace of God. So Grace Hill, it's time to get the squad back together. It's time to turn the corner and begin envisioning life together post-pandemic. Where we have a role to play in the lives of others. You are needed. You are needed. Your squad needs you and you need your squad. And so Grace Hill, let's show up. Let me pray for us. Father, I am so thankful that in your grace and in your wisdom, the mind-blowing beauty of your wisdom, you designed the church and you designed each of us to need one another. You don't expect us to have it all together all on our own. You don't expect any of us to be super Christians, strong enough where we don't need anybody. That's not your heart. That's not your desire. And that's not how you design the church. And so God, we, we confess, we just live in a culture that's very individualistic. And it's just, th those are the that's the culture we're swimming in every single day. And so it's, it's so hard for us sometimes, God, to accept the help that we need from one another, to allow other people into our lives, and to, to think of our faith as something that is done in community versus something that is individual. And so God, help us with that, we, we pray. Would you help us to realize our need for one another? And would you help us to be willing to step up to be there for others. God, I pray you would strengthen Grace Hill, strengthen our church, strengthen our squad, prepare us to begin to meet together again. We love you, God, and we're so grateful that you have given us this grace in one another. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>